0: If you're a leader whose success depends on your ability to think clearly, then join the 8 Second Daily Coach, where I'll email you daily questions to amplify your leadership in 8 seconds or less. Sign up now at ZachAaron.com forward slash daily question. That's ZachAaron, Z-A-C-H-A-R-E-N-D.com forward slash daily question.
1: It's about communicating, sharing some of the vulnerabilities, some of the struggles that we as leaders have, modeling that while also modeling taking time off, blocking your calendar, leaving at appropriate times, not answering emails at all hours of the night. All
0: right, I want to take a moment before we get into today's episode to make an announcement. I want to let you know that I'm taking applications right now for the Create Purpose Mastermind. An intimate mastermind group for aspiring seven-figure creative female business owners who are looking to build their dream team. So if that's you, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Here's what it's going to look like if you decide to spend a year with me and this intimate mastermind. You know, when I was putting this together, I really was thinking about what are the outcomes that I want you to get as a result of spending a year in this group? Number one is I want you to discover your unique greatness because when you surround yourself with people who see you for who you are and are able to draw you back to your own greatness, so much can change. Number two, I want to help you master your inner game because everything in business starts with self-awareness of why things are the way they are. Because as soon as you become aware of that, you get to decide and make a choice to change it for the better. Number three, I want to see you lead with confidence. You know, because I fundamentally believe you already have everything you need. You don't need another guru to show you the way. And I want to see you build your dream team. And that's what you're ultimately going to be doing in this group is building a business around a team of people that no longer centers around you, the leader, but you now have a team where you now are able to free yourself up to be the true CEO and create a visionary of your business, ultimately to grow your business, make your business easier to manage, more profitable, and a lot more fun. So if you're an inspiring seven-figure creative female business owner who's wanting to build your dream team and grow your business, then please don't wait. There's only 12 seats available, so don't hesitate in getting your application in. What if this were to be your breakthrough year? And what if this mastermind is exactly what you need to really grow your business and bring your unique potential to life? To learn more, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Let's get back into the show. Just before we get started, I want to just stop to say thank you to all those who have followed along with this podcast so far, who have left us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. It helps us get the message out and reach a much broader audience. So thank you for that. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest, Colleen Hauk. She spent 15 years as a corporate leader, specializing in training and leading sales teams, and her skills were really honed when she experienced firsthand the negative effects of poor leadership and a lack of self-care, a lack of self-care that leads ultimately to burnout. And in today's episode, we explore what she calls living the and life, where we can be truly great as leaders and truly great at building our businesses without sacrificing what's important to us. So in today's episode, we get into how to do that, how to overcome burnout and help prevent our team from being burnt out in the process. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right, Colleen. Hello. Hi. So before we get started, just take a moment to introduce yourself real quick.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you, Zach, for having me on. So I'm Colleen Houk. I come from a really interesting variety of a background. So I'm born raised, have always lived in Southern California. Same with my husband, Matt. We have three kids. But for me professionally, where it started was straight out of college as an elementary school teacher for about six years, quickly realized I wanted to transition into more of the professional world. So I jumped into corporate America. I stayed there for about 15 years, but during that time, I had an opportunity to start to think about different paths and uh, ultimately uh, launched my business and have been doing that full time since the fall of 17. But yes, in corporate, I was always in sales leadership. I did a lot of training and coaching. And then I'm just a proud mom, a wife, and we have three kids, Jordan, Ethan, and Reese. Jordan's already out of the house, Ethan and Reese. I've got two teenagers here. So I stay really, really busy, but yeah, that's just a little bit about my background.
0: Yeah, you know, you and I have worked together a little bit and I know you help so many, specifically women leaders with burnout. That's a real challenge right now. In fact, I think there's a statistic that I just read recently, like over almost half of America's workforce feels burnt out by their work. And it's something that you've really been able to help a lot of people with, just taking them from burned out to back to being a top performer and having energy for their work and enjoying it again. And I want to go deeper into that, but where does that passion come from, the work that you do? For other leaders?
1: Yes, yes. And you said it correctly, Zach, that it is a pure passion for me. It really is the mission that I'm on. So, in my most recent company that I worked in, in corporate, I was offered a promotion going into the year 2013. And that promotion absolutely met my professional and my financial goals. And so I said yes to it, but it was a blind yes. I really hadn't evaluated how that promotion would be impacting me personally, you know, on several different levels. So I went into 2013, literally doing nothing but working. I mean, I was sleeping about four hours every single night. And I don't know if you've ever done that before, but once you've only slept a few hours for a couple nights in a row, you are walking around like you're drunk, like physically, chemically, biologically, that's what happens to your body. I mean, I was hiding it from everyone other than my family. So, you know, I was showing up to work each and every day, giving a hundred percent of my energy. Nobody had a clue, you know, that I was only sleeping a few hours working all day. But unfortunately, when you do that, I really only had leftovers for the rest of the people and the things and activities in my life. So I became an awful, just absolutely awful wife and mom. At the time, our son, Jordan, he was a teenager. Ethan was about seven. Reese was only four. So I still had little ones and I would come home each day. And it was like, I was a tornado busting into the house, just, you know, so irritated and, and angry. If there was a sock in the middle of the family room floor or, you know, dishes in the sink, I mean, I would yell at Reese again, who was only four years old, that I didn't have time to read her bedtime stories. Like I was angry when she would ask me. And unfortunately, Matt, my husband, we just became roommates during that time. But it was so bad, Zach, that I still tell Matt to this day, I don't understand how he did not pack up our kids and leave me. It was that bad. You know, in addition to that, my health suffered. I missed all of my dentist doctor's appointments. I mean, zero social life. So I did that until the end of 2013. So it was basically 13 months until that December, I just hit the breaking point. And in isolation, when I tell you what the breaking point is, it sounds absurd. It was the fact that I was stuck again in my office working late night on some business development plans while I was supposed to be at a holiday party for this network of executive women that I was a part of. And that was, that was literally my breaking point. And in the office late that night, nobody else is even there. All the lights are out. I just said, I have to quit. But unfortunately, and fortunately, I was actually the one who paid the mortgage, put food on the table. And so unless I was willing to change our family's lifestyle, which I wasn't, you know, quitting really wasn't an option. And Zach, you know me well enough, like you probably couldn't even imagine me being a stay at home mom. That's just not my personality. Right. No. So, yeah, it was me hitting that breaking point. And fortunately, I ended up hiring a coach, and we can talk about some additional things that I did to get out of that point. But I was able to go on that transformation. To where, ironically, ended up getting promoted again at that same company. I stayed there for four more years. My husband, Matt, and I reconnected. The kids started, you know, really thriving. And I started to have more of that, you know, energy and passion outside of just work. That was my mission because when I was going through all of that, I hid it at work because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to think that I couldn't handle everything. I assumed that every other, especially female leader in our organization, that they had it all together. It wasn't until after I hit that breaking point that I discovered that there was a lot of women who were going through what I was, not just in my company, but you know, outside of that. And I realized I just needed to start sharing my story and sharing the strategies that I learned to come out of that.
0: Wow. That's powerful. And I want to go back to that breaking point, you know, that moment you shared with us. If you put yourself back there, what did you do after you realized like, this is not working for me anymore? There's this realization, like no more of this. What did you then do kind of immediately? What was your next action towards taking some ownership and creating more of what you wanted for yourself?
1: Yeah. So after after I stopped hysterically crying (laughs) in my (laughs) office, That night, because I'm sitting here thinking I have to choose one or the other, I'm thinking that that's my option, but you know, deep down I'm like, but I don't want to, because I don't want to change our lifestyle, you know, and I want to keep working, but I can't keep feeling like I'm drowning every day or be nervous that Matt is going to pack up the kids and leave me. So literally that moment in my office, after I got through that, I remembered that one of my very dear friends, Kate, she had become a coach. I didn't know what kind of coach she had become. I knew nothing, but I texted her immediately in that moment. And my text to her was, I'm hiring you to help me quit my job because I really did at that moment, believe that it was my job that was causing the burnout, the exact job that I had. I believed that. And so Kate and I, three weeks later on January 6, 2014, we had our first call And it's when Kate says to me, and I'll never forget it because she was so nonchalant. She's like, why do you feel you have to choose between your job or your family? Why can't you have both? And I just couldn't see how that was even possible at that time. So that was my immediate first step was to acknowledge that I had probably been trying to do some things to help with the burnout. I mean, I remember my husband, you know, Matt, three months into that promotion, he was already sensing I was getting burned out. And he surprised me, got a bunch of my girlfriends together and sent me out to go wine tasting for the day. So I think there were things I thought I was doing, but it wasn't working. And so I immediately acknowledged that I just needed an outside resource. I needed somebody else, their knowledge, their expertise, just a different lens to even see what I was going through.
0: Yeah, and that's such a powerful question and such a coaching question, you know, Why not have both? And that's a realization. You're like, oh, that's a question you didn't ask yourself because you didn't think it was a choice. It's either this or that. And that's a a crappy place to put yourself in for sure. That doesn't feel good at all. It feels stuck. And what then were some steps that you took and retrace your steps a little bit? So, for everybody listening and just some context, you know, a lot of people listening, they're leaders in the executive context or also a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs. And from my perspective, whether it's the job or the business or the lack of team, there's all kinds of reasons that we can say, I'm trying to leave this so that I can be okay. So I really believe if you're listening to this and what Colleen has to say, whether you're an executive, a business owner, I believe I know Colleen enough, this applies universally. And I'm actually excited to hear a little bit about what you did to move because I know you now and The story you tell me, it's like that person would be recognizable to who I know you to be today. So you've transformed, you've made a huge shift. And so how can you help us do the same? You know, what could you share with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, Zach, because you mentioned this one or the other, you know, as I believed and that's my enemy is that anybody who believes they have to choose one or the other. I call it the and life. So it's about having a powerful career, whether, as you mentioned, you're an executive or business owner, whatever that looks like. But the and life is about having a powerful career and an extraordinary personal life. And so even though my personal story does culminate with me being a working mom in the corporate world as you mentioned, the strategies, the principles that I teach, whether I'm you know, speaking or working long-term with companies or even in my own private group, they're applicable to every single person. So I'll talk about a couple of them. The first one was really about accepting that responsibility. I had absolutely blamed everyone for my situation. I blamed Matt because at the time he owned his own business and I blamed him for not having to you know, get up early and get ready and commute for the day. He could just you know, roll downstairs and start his day. I would blame my other coworkers for not having as much work as I did. I blamed stay-at-home moms. How dare they post uh, during the summer that they're at Disneyland with their kids and I'm stuck in Denver airport. And the worst is I blamed my boss for giving me a promotion. I mean, how insane does that sound that you're blaming a boss for giving you a promotion? So the first was for me to acknowledge that, hey, I said yes to the situation. I accepted this promotion. I said yes to taking on all of these accounts. I said yes to traveling. It really was my decision. So as much as that was painful to admit to myself the really cool thing that comes out on the other side is that if it were my decisions that got me to where I was, it could simply be new decisions that could get me out of that situation. So just acknowledging that I did have a choice. It wasn't about that I had to quit or give up everything. It was about just choices I could make to make things different. And so After I got that, I'll share the second thing, which was really a recommendation by my coach, Kate, and she wanted me to start meditating. Now, I was corporate. I was black and white. You know, there's no woo-woo. There was no woo-woo in my life. You know, when she says to meditate, I'm picturing this long-haired hippie sitting cross-legged in a grassy field, right? I'm thinking there is no way I'm going to meditate. But I am one of those people who, if you recommend something, I'll try it. And so what I did was a little bit different in the meditation. It was very intentional. So each morning I would just get up a few minutes early. I set my phone timer, you know, for, I'm sure the first time was probably only a couple minutes, but roughly five minutes. And I would just ask myself one question over and over again. And at the time it was what makes me happy. And I don't mean to say happy in a flippant way, like everything in our life is perfect. Right. But what makes me happy? Mm -hmm. And I asked myself that question over and over and over again for five minutes one morning, again, five minutes the next morning. I did this for two or three weeks every morning. And what I was able to do is push past the obvious, right? Like my kids make me happy, you know, going to the gym makes me happy. And it was forcing me to recall situations and experiences that really lit me up. Like when I felt most excited and exhilarated in what I was doing, and so once I discovered what some of those pieces were, I said, how could I take those and build them into to my current job so that I could at least start to be excited about some of the work? And so for me, even though some of those things weren't really in my job description, I was able to work with my boss to say, hey, can I start doing this? Can we integrate this? And with that also came, I guess, you know, the third thing, if anybody is in corporate was communicating with my manager. It was really about bringing to the table, hey, this is where I'm at. I'm passionate about the job I do here. However, I'm only sleeping a few hours. My workload has been too much. How could we work together so that I stay healthy and I'm still contributing the best work, the best results I can for our clients and our company? How can we put together a plan that'll work? So I would say those were the big things that I did at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I love that. Everything starts with responsibility because if you can't take ownership of your situation, you're giving away your power, you're powerless and you're stuck. And I love that. And then when you said how you meditated on that question, what makes me happy? That takes work to answer that, I would imagine. I resonate with your story so much because I too was kind of caught up in that leadership position where it was my end all, be all. It was my identity. And I mean, I'm up at 4am and my wife, you know, is wondering where I am, even though I'm at the kitchen table, she's like, where are you? You know? And so I really resonated what you shared in that what makes me happy question my experience as a coach too, is when we're burnout, that's the question we put on the shelf. And we just don't believe that that's for us. And there's a little bit more of a, we focus more on what we don't want. We know what we don't want. We just don't know what we do want. And so what started to unfold for you as you started to give yourself some space and started to ask that question? What was that experience like?
1: Yeah. Because, you know, Zach, the fact was, I wasn't willing, right, to change the lifestyle. So I wasn't willing to quit my job. And I didn't have the courage just yet to go into my manager's office and say, hey, all of this needs to change, or any, you know, right? I wasn't there. So for me, it was just those small changes. And as you mentioned, the meditation, I just really started recalling experiences. And now I invite people to meditate on what brings you energy, right? Like when do you feel that lit up? Mm-hmm. And so during those meditations, I was recalling experiences because I teach a group exercise class at the gym and I would recall these situations when, oh man, I would just leave a class just feeling like on fire, just absolutely amazed. And then, you know, I would recall a situation where I'd be in one of my direct reports, one of their offices And they had a challenge and we're working together. And then all of a sudden I see the light bulb go off and realize what they want to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's when I always felt lit up was when I was doing some sort of training coaching. Right. So for me, it was just going and finding more of those opportunities to kind of sprinkle in throughout the day. And then also, as you mentioned, as I was doing that, it was like, well, if I'm adding more, because I also technically started my business at the same time, though I wasn't really, you know, fully diving in, but if I was adding more, I needed to get rid of some things. So I also started really looking at places that I should have been delegating both professionally and personally. And as painful as it might've been from an ego perspective or, you know, just a, oh my gosh, I don't have time to delegate. Right. Cause you feel like it takes so much time. I really had to force myself and say, no, it'll be better on the other end. So again, both professionally and personally, I just started asking for help. And there was a lot of humility that needed to come into place there. And I'll say, you know, as you mentioned again earlier, this happens as small business owners. You know, I still have to make sure that I'm not burning myself out. And, you know, especially if you're a CEO or you're a solopreneur, you have a tendency to do nothing but dive into your business. And, you know, so I challenge your audience, where could you be delegating? Where could you be asking for more help? Even though it seems like resources, time, money, energy may be limited. It really comes out positive on the other side.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. And when it comes to delegating, what I heard you say, it was hard to let go of some things. And I think that's one thing, hard to let go of some things, but I kind of sense there might've been some things you were almost, I don't know, ashamed or kind of felt guilty for letting go of like, I should just be able to do those things. And What were some of those things that were a little more challenging that maybe initially felt kind of embarrassing to even ask for help, you know?
1: Right. I will share that I had this invisible cape, you know, that said super woman on it. And, you know, it was almost like I was bragging if I was talking to a coworker or even on that rare occasion that we did have dinner with someone. And I heard this other working, you know, mom tell me how busy she was. It was like, oh, well, let me tell you how much busier I am. You know, it was it was like I was wearing this cape to make it sound like I was so capable and I could do everything. That's so ridiculous. Now I look back and I'm thinking, who cares if I can't do everything? Some of it really was just relinquishing things that were at the house. I'm very particular about the house being organized in a certain way. I wouldn't say cleaned, but organized in a certain way. And so, you know, Matt would offer to do laundry and I would, you know, open the linen closet and think, oh my gosh, she folded the towels the wrong way. And it's like, who looks in your linen closet? Who cares how your towels are folded? So, you know, part of it was just a, I don't think anybody can do this as good as me or the way I like it to be done. I had to let go of that and just say, who cares on a lot of those areas and then just let go of trying to do and be there for every single thing that my kids were doing. You know, I wanted to be the best mom, but I mean, I still do, but they were you know younger and I felt like I had to always show up and always be there for everything. And so one of the key things I started doing was asking my kids, oh, you have this awards assembly or you have this school play. Would you like me to be there? And it shocked me the first time I asked that, come to find out they either were like, yeah, whatever, mom, I know I don't need you to be there. Or it would be like, no, I actually don't want you to be there because I don't even like this assembly. You know, then I'm thinking, why did I assume I needed to be there for everything? So I started to care less about what other moms and parents would potentially think about the working mom who's, you know, off flying around the country. And it was about my kids and just saying, where do you want me to show up for you? And then I would make every effort to be there for those things.
0: Yeah. Wow. There's kind of an addiction to busyness. It is an addiction in a way. There's an adrenaline rush. And it's kind of interesting. Clients I coach, a lot of small business owners or leaders, they're feeling the same way. They're just running and racing. They're busy. And you know, there's that old saying, slow down to speed up. It is cliche, but maybe that makes it more true. And here's what happens. One of the things I suggest is blocking off an hour or two every week and call it white space, call it CEO time, call it a clarity break, whatever. But just block it off. Well, the first thing that usually comes up, what do I do in that time? What do I need to be doing? It's interesting how our minds goes, what should I be doing? And it's like nothing like start with kind of a blank slate. And it's scary. It's scary to drop the busyness at your feet and just be with yourself or like, what's your experience? Does that resonate with you at all? Or did you have an experience where slowing down was scary as hell? We'll just say
1: yeah, I love, first of all, Zach, I love that recommendation of just blocking an hour and just being, and you're right, because I don't do that necessarily. I'm more of a kind of everyday consistent just at least 15 minutes. I call it me moments, especially cuz executive women who are still in corporate can't necessarily block that overwhelms them. They're like I could not block an hour on my calendar. My manager would want to put a meeting in there or whatever. So, even if you have to have some things that you enjoy doing. So, I used to call fun the working mom's F word. Like that's what I called it back in 2013. It was all about, I can't have fun. Oh, we got invited, you know, to go have dinner and drinks with friends. Nope. I can't, that If I go have fun, it means it's pulling me away from my dreams, my goals. So when I think about that recommendation you have, whether it's an hour every week or whatever, some sort of time, For me to make it less overwhelming of what do I do, I would just think about it as like fun space, right? When I get there, I'm just gonna have fun. And depending on the day and my mood and my energy, right? Because there's some days like today in Southern California, it's cold and rainy. So today was the day that hour popped up. I'd probably be under a blanket with a cup of coffee and reading. But if it was sunny outside, I may have more energy and say, okay, I'm gonna go take a walk today and just be with myself. So I think wherever I'm at in that mood, it's kind of like white space for fun. For me, it would be fun because I still don't feel like we have enough fun in our lives. We're such serious professionals, right?
0: I love it. Yeah. I remember telling people, I hate it when people ask me what I do for fun because I don't really have an answer for them. And that's changed over the year, but it's been a challenge to just let myself have some fun. In fact, we just got an Oculus VR for for the kids, for me, Uh, for the kids. (laughs) And we've been playing that and there's laugh. It's just so energizing. I get a workout doing it too. Get a nice fight going, but
1: yes, you know, especially if you have kids, right. That element of fun provides bonding with the family. It allows your kids to see you. If you aren't naturally more like my husband, Matt is hilarious all the time. He's always joking, you know, so the kids see him as that person, but I was, you know, I mean, Matt called me the machine during that time that I was so crazy, right? It was just, everything was about hurry up. Let's go here. Let's do that. And so I think if you tend to be more serious, you tend to be more of this kind of professional hat that you wear even at home. If you have kids that fun, just allows them to see you differently. You're modeling a different type of behavior for them and that bonding happens. And there's therapy and laughter, right? I mean, when you just laugh, you feel good. So, yeah.
0: So true. What was your experience? You know, the the third thing you shared was you started talking to your manager. You started talking to people about what your experience has been and how it's not working for you. And I even kind of noticed you said that was more the last step. I had to get myself in a spot. But what did you learn? I will use the word vulnerable. I think you had to be vulnerable to share that part of yourself. And what did you learn by doing that? And what takeaways would you want to share with the audience?
1: Yeah. So I'll address that, but I also want to address one other thing, but it has to do with this question because it's about communication. And even now, Zach, when I only have a couple of minutes with people and I can't get into the whole, you know, take personal responsibility, meditate on happiness. Like when I can't do that, I just quickly tell them it's all about communication. And so there's kind of two parts I would share that happened for me as I was recovering from burnout. The first one was early on in my recovery, I was standing early morning in the doorway of one of my colleagues offices. And I just, for some reason, felt compelled to start sharing what had been going on the year prior. And she just kept staring at me with a blank expression on her face. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm crazy. She thinks I'm inadequate. She now knows that I had considered quitting my job just a few months ago. She's going to go tell everybody. So I stopped talking. And as soon as I did, she says to me, I'm so sorry. I haven't said anything, but it's like, I'm looking in a mirror. I just had this conversation with my mom over the weekend That was the very first moment I realized that, you know, these other women were going through what I was. So communication and just sharing with other people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a colleague or, you know, if you're a business owner, someone in your business, it could just be a confidant, a friend, a relative, whatever that looks like. But I think there's support that comes through that. And then that second part of the communication with my manager Yes, there had to be a level of vulnerability, but I always, you know, warn people that you never want to go in and be overly vulnerable, right? We want to maintain a level of professionalism. I recommend that you go in and, you know, you state what the facts are, you know, here's the type of projects or here are the tasks, here are the priorities that I've been working on. You know, I'm now working 60 hours per week, you know, and I'm not sleeping and I feel like my, you know, results are in jeopardy, which I don't want them to be. So how could we collaborate to figure out the best solution for everyone to win? So there's some vulnerability when you're sharing, you know, and certainly for me to admit to my boss, hey, to produce what I've been producing for the last 13 months, I've been a miserable person, right? But what I learned is that my boss was like, oh, okay, didn't know that this was too much work for you. I wasn't even thinking of this. I asked if I could work from home on Fridays, which, you know, this is years before the pandemic, where this was the norm, right? Or became the norm. I was so fearful to ask him to work from home on Fridays, even though I had already been with the company for almost 10 years by that time. And he looked at me, he's like, oh yeah, of course, that's no big deal. (laughs) So what I learned is, first of all, that don't assume that even your direct manager has any clue how much work you have. Nobody has a clue other than you. And then secondly, don't assume that what you're thinking could be a solution is so off base. It absolutely could be an option. So communicate is the first thing that I share with people when I hear that they're burning out. And like you said, Zach, it is, I mean, we're in the middle of a great resignation, at least in the corporate side and middle managers are bearing the brunt of burnout. A recent study came out that even though many employees are starting to come out of the burnout compared to earlier this year, middle managers are still in it. They are not feeling any better. So it is about that communication as the first step.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And on that topic and kind of flip the tables a little bit, you know, a lot of us are leaders. We lead people and a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us that are in leadership, we care deeply for our people. We care about them. We want them to be healthy and happy, you know, and the question that's on a lot of our minds, I've heard this from several people this week, is there's a real concern they have that their team might get burned out by the work. You know, the holiday seasons, the rush, some of these companies are product-based businesses. and It's crazy right now. And they're so concerned with burnout and their team getting overwhelmed and, you know, ultimately leaving or, you know. And so what can we do as leaders for our people? So I'm kind of flipping the table now. How do we take care of our people? And create an environment to where burnout isn't as susceptible.
1: Yes. So the first would be to model appropriate behavior as a leader. I went the opposite way when I was going through that, you know, 2013 burnout. I didn't show anybody, even my direct reports, what was going on. And after, you know, when I was in the middle of recovery, I remember I was in Colorado with one of my colleagues. He was actually my direct report, Ricky. And I'm telling him all of what had been going on the year prior. And he says, Oh my gosh, Colleen, I had no idea that that's what was happening, you know, because I had two multi million dollar contract renewals I was managing, plus our day to day, I had direct reports. I mean, it was insane. And he says, You know, I had no idea. And what occurred to me is that Ricky at that time was interested in moving up into leadership, potentially into my role. And here I was doing him a disservice by not sharing some of the challenges I was having. Now, certainly I wouldn't be going in and, and, you know, bawling my eyes out and complaining about everything. But I think, you know, it's about, again, communicating, you know, sharing some of the vulnerabilities, some of the struggles that we as leaders have, modeling that while also modeling taking time off, blocking your calendar leaving it appropriate times, not answering emails at all hours of the night. So that's first. And then the second thing, again, goes back to communication. So I would meet with each of my direct reports on a weekly basis, some of them who had been there at the company longer, maybe not quite as frequently. But one of the questions in every single one of our like standard one-on-one meetings that we had, one of the questions I would ask is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you feeling personally? I'd ask it professionally too, but on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling personally? And they would just give me a number. And if they felt like they wanted to share why it was high or low, great. But it allowed me as a leader to see, oh, okay, I need to know that, you know, Ricky, for example, this week is kind of at a three personally. So potentially, you know, I may need to offer some more support or, you know, bring in another team member. So it allowed me to just acknowledge as a leader where that person might be at. But because of the trust and the relationship I had with my direct reports, they never just gave me a number. They told me what was going on and it allowed them to either just get it off their chest for I mean, this would take 90 seconds. I mean, we're not talking about a half hour you know, rant and therapy session. It was just really quick for them to let me know, oh, hey, you know, my mom is in the hospital or a pipe burst in our home yesterday and my wife's there taking care of it. It would just allow them to share if they wanted to and just to be on the same page. So I found that really helpful as a leader to just understand where the team is. And and then that allows you to uncover, hey, maybe they do potentially need something shifted off of their workload or something changed for a period of time or forever.
0: Yeah. I love that. As opposed to the, how are you doing? You know, because that's just good, you know, right. That question showed a genuine interest in caring and knowing where that person really was. And I love that. That's a really good question. Thank you. So some wrap up questions for you, what book podcast or person, whoever stands out, whatever stands out most, what's inspiring you most right now and why?
1: Oh goodness. Um, (laughs) you're asking at an interesting time. So I would say beside our mentor, right? How we met Zach, Bo Eason, who's always at the forefront for me. And I just was on a call with him two days ago where, you know, he sees things happening through a different lens. And so he's always challenging me to see that from a business side, somebody who's really been inspiring me because of how I've been shifting my business. Her name's Angelique Ruers. She runs a company called Bold House. And back, as you know, when I left my corporate career and officially launched into my business, it was to be the world's best female speaker. And so I launched a full speaking business. And a couple of years into it, I was successful, but I realized that's not all what I wanted to do. And I actually wanted to go back into corporate to really help these executive women and executive teams. Executive women tend to be the most burned out, but also coming in and supporting teams on burnout and leadership. I'm really looking to take those burned out executives and turn people into top tier leaders. So Anjali Grewers, through her company, Bold House, is really, really savvy on building those relationships in corporate. A little bit different than what we traditionally think of in the coaching expert space. So she's been a really fantastic influence for me through 2021.
0: Cool. Well, this is the next question being that we're nearing the end of 2021. And I would be shocked if you're not already thinking well into 2022 and what's in store for you and what type of impact you want to make. So yeah. What type of impact do you want to make in 2022? What's that look like?
1: Yes. So while I absolutely love doing keynotes at conferences or, you know, I get brought in a lot for companies, their women's resource groups, because they often have, you know, monthly calls or events. And I do my signature talk called The And Life. I love doing that. But what I really love to be able to do is work long-term with organizations so that I can see, I get to be there to witness the change that's happening over time. And actually, instead of just potentially putting a little band-aid on the situation by delivering a keynote or a talk, I get to actually go to the core of the problem and actually create change over time. So I'm just most excited about being able to go in to partner with organizations at team levels, at group levels, at company-wide levels to really create change for them instead of just trying to find temporary solutions that won't really fix the systemic issue that's going on.
0: Yeah, there's such a need for that. And if you are an organization, I work closely with an organization that often struggles with just overall capacity and burnout. Just the simple things you shared today are life-changing. If you just take those steps... But I know you well enough that it goes much deeper than that. And so much more is possible for you if you're listening and loving your work, loving your life. And yeah, if I'm you, I'm calling Colleen because I've known you now long enough that you know your stuff and you really can help people here. So thanks so much for coming on, Colleen. I enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciated, well, I'll use that word vulnerability. I mean, you sharing your story, there's no question that spoke to a lot of listeners spoke to me. So tell us, where can we find you? Learn more, any resources you'd want to point us to?
1: Yes, yes. Well, as of today, you can find me. website is my name, Colleen Hauk, and that's with H-A-U-K. I'm sure you'll post that as well, Zach. Mm-hmm. Uh, my website's the best place. I'm excited though to share with you, Zach, you don't know this. I'm in the middle of a rebrand, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners can <laughs> can understand what that's like. So I'm really excited to rebrand and move into more of the business owner space versus the speaker space. So yeah, as of today, that's where you can find me.
0: Very cool. Well, Colleen, thank you so much.
1: I appreciate it, Zach. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Hopefully you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And my hope is you found it really inspirational. And also, most importantly, I hope you took away some practical things that you can start to do and apply in your own life. So finally, I have one small favor to ask of you before you go. Wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify, If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media, share it on social media. It just really helps us get the word out, helps us grow our audience. So please do that. Thanks to my team, Ashley Bolden, who handles all the admin and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast for more information on the create purpose podcast you can go to www.createpurpose.net and you can also follow me on instagram at zach.errant please drop me a comment reach out drop me a dm i'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you're taking away from these conversations what would you like to hear more of do you have any guests that you would love to see come on the show and i'm always looking for great people to talk to people with great stories that can inspire you. And so if you know of anybody, send them my way. Love to hear from you. I'm your host, Zach Aaron, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose Podcast. Bye for now. If you're a leader whose success depends on your ability to think clearly, then join the 8 Second Daily Coach, where I'll email you daily questions to amplify your leadership in 8 seconds or less. Sign up now at ZachAaron.com forward slash daily question. That's ZachAaron, Z-A-C-H-A-R-E-N-D.com forward slash daily